What is the clinical definition of obesity, and why should each of us know and care about whether we're just a little overweight or far heavier than we should be? Here to explain is cardiologist Dr. Joseph Anthony George, an attending physician at Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall. I'm Aileen Ellis. Welcome to our Health Track podcast. Welcome, Dr. George. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Let's begin with the distinction between being overweight and being obese. What's the difference? It's defined primarily by the body mass index. So body mass index, or a BMI as it's called, it's between 25 and 30. 25 and 29 would be overweight, and obesity would be a BMI of greater than 30. And how is that measured? How do you find that out? Okay, so the BMI is measured by, it's a mathematical calculation. You basically weigh the body weight in kilograms divided by the square of the height in meters. There are apps available to quickly calculate that, and that gives you a BMI. Another way would be to measure the circumference of the waistline. Circumference of greater than 40 inches in a man would be considered that individual having obesity and a circumference of 35 inches in a woman would also render her having obesity. And when we measure ourselves, is it right above the hip line or a little higher if we were going to do it ourselves? Above the hip line. So right, right where that hip bone ends is where you would put the tape measure, straight across and around where your belly button is, I guess. That's correct. So tell me, I've heard over and over that belly fat is really dangerous, and why is that? It leads to a greater increase in risk of developing diabetes, also developing coronary artery disease and subsequently heart attacks. You know, one of the things that we see even in the sports is that we have this culture where we have the linemen weighing 350, 400 pounds, and you can, they can sprint very short distances very rapidly. But you see this you know, rubber fat in front of them on their bodies, and unfortunately, when they leave their sports early in life, when they retire, they're left in the red zone without a coach to encourage them how to get rid of it because their life expectancy is actually shortened carrying all that weight. That was one of the things I was thinking about is that as you follow or read studies about people who are obese, what is the percentage of it's shortening your lifespan by a decade or a few years or what? So it generally depends on how much obesity one has. So a body mass index of greater than 40, the lifespan is reduced by 8 to 12 years. And uh, a BMI of 30 to 34 shortens it by about four years. That's a rough estimate. Yeah, so obesity does have an impact on one's life expectancy. And if I were to lose that fat, does that mean that my life might be lengthened? Yes. So... I've also heard that people who have internal fat, which you can't see, that, but also around your middle, that that can be dangerous. Maybe you could tell us about that. Yeah, that's a difficult measurement to obtain short of doing a CAT scan of the abdomen where one can uncover a lot of internal fat, and that also is considered to be detrimental to one's health. And is it possible to be obese and healthy at all? I mean, you mentioned this lineman running... And at that point, I guess because he's exercising, he's in at least some good shape. What about that? Uh, to be obese and to be healthy are actually contradictory. You know, recently I saw a photograph. It was titled, Young Healthy Man 
dies to COVID. And looking at the picture, he had obvious obesity, and obesity is considered a single risk factor of succumbing to COVID-19. The problem with obesity is that it leads to hypertension, diabetes, and coronary artery disease, which carry their complications earlier in life. So as an internal medicine specialist and as well as a cardiologist, what markers do you also look for when you see someone coming in who is obese? Do you run special tests to find out how much damage has been done? One of the things I will do is to check to see if they have already developed diabetes or if they are pre-diabetics. We will also check their lipid levels to see whether their lipid levels are on the high side and if they have high blood pressure. I mean, we measure their blood pressure to ensure that they don't have hypertension, but unfortunately, many, many people with obesity come in with elevated blood pressures. And obviously, you put them on medication at that point, but that doesn't solve the larger problem, I assume. No. Actually, once I had them captive in my room, at least I have some time to go over with them about the risks of having diabetes. If particularly when people come in at a young age with obesity, make them aware that should they develop diabetes early in life, and obesity is a driver for one to develop diabetes, and if they live a long enough lifespan, they have allowed that much time to develop the complications from diabetes, which are not very good. So let's talk about what you do about it. And as you as a doctor, what methods do you recommend? Have you watched a lot of people try to turn their life around and lose some weight? I think, first of all, it's making them aware of what the problem is and what the risk is of having obesity, which really is considered to be a chronic disease. It's reminding them that the main causes for obesity is uh, our lifestyle, which is primarily eating large portions and not exercising on a regular basis. So one of my goals when they are in the office is to have them try to change their mindset, have a, an attitude, if you will, that stepping out of the office, they make a commitment to themselves that they're going to take charge of their health and they're going to start with eating smaller portions at mealtimes and eliminating high-carb diet of foods that are fried uh, and then skipping out on snacks. And the other thing that goes hand-in-hand with eating differently or eating healthy is committing oneself to a regular lifestyle of exercise. And I encourage them to start off at at least 20 minutes a day, five days a week, and then gradually work up to 30 minutes remind them that once they make that commitment to go out for that walk, when they sit down at the table later on, they've subconsciously reminded themselves that they're taking their health in their hands and changing paths for their good. And during that walk, should that be a brisk walk? Well, generally, I tell them to be comfortable with what they're doing. I generally tell them to go off with a stroll, enjoy the walk, and then gradually build up speed. And if they feel a little short of breath or winded or if they have any symptoms to back off, I tell them to generally walk a few hours after eating, not right after eating or before eating. Now, what about medications? I know, for example, there's some kind of pill you could take that supposedly reduces the amount of fat in the food because you can't process it. Yeah, I have not looked too deep into that because I know that America always looks for a quick fix. I think the secret to losing weight essentially is for all of us is to just change the way we eat, how much we eat, and get into a healthy lifestyle of walking regularly. Unfortunately, most of the pills that we've had, I don't have not had a good outcome. We've had side effects with valvular heart disease developing as a result of some of the appetite suppressants. 
So I'm not an expert in that field as far as medications. It sounds like you think that mindset is really the big difference, that, that changing how you think about food and drinking and exercising is the big deal. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I've seen and I've had people go through bariatric surgery, and I've seen, unfortunately, you know, they've lost three 100 pounds, where they started off with 350, 300 pounds, they lost 100 pounds, and I've seen them go right back to it again just because they didn't change their eating habits, and so they eat more frequently, small amounts, and it's disappointing to see that they're back where they started after having gone through all of that. I do. Quite often it should be the spouses, the partners they live with. That makes a big difference because if one partner is engaged, it does help the other one psychologically to do that. There are Weight Watcher programs that can at least get them to a jump start and on their track to a healthy lifestyle. And I guess my final question would be that many of the markers you see that can be such a dangerous sign things are coming that when someone loses weight, those really do clear up. That's true. We do see people's blood pressure come down to normal where we don't have to use any medication in those who became hypertensive when they had the obesity. And we do see that people's blood sugars decline to normal range when they are no longer obese. If the obesity was triggered by excessive food consumption, I, I do see that. And I'm assuming that their chances of a heart attack go down as well. That's correct. Anything else you'd like to add, sir? I just want to encourage people to get started. I know in, there's an old refrain that says the long distance begins with one or two steps, but I feel that there should be a sense of urgency that we really hit the ground running, each individual, as they walk, once they are aware of what the problem is and what the complications are, to make that change so that they can live longer and enjoy their lives or enjoy their retirement. Well, thank you so very much for your advice today. It, it sounds like with a change of heart that this is really possible. Thank you. It is. Thank you. Cardiologist Dr. Joseph Anthony George is an attending physician at Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall. I'm Aileen Ellis. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Health Track podcast. Head on over to our website at montefiorsic.org to get connected to one of our providers. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check back in soon for the next podcast. Thank you for listening.